Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? Hello and welcome to another beautiful section of scripture. This is Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. We turn now to Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. My heart is so excited about what God is, who he is, what he's doing, and what he's revealing about the person of Jesus. The text here is truly life transformational as we allow Jesus to take us by the hand and lead us in to his Sabbath rest. Verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. I love this picture of Jesus, the very person of God in human flesh, being confronted by the spiritual leaders for being unlawful. Let's continue in verse 3 to see how Jesus defends himself or explains himself to those whom he does honor in a sense and submit to, but yet rebukes and confronts in his humility. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God. And he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. This story comes to us from 1 Samuel, I believe, chapter 21. And what it is, it's a picture of David and his men on the brink of starvation. They come to the priest and they say, we are so hungry. And the only bread that they have available is the showbread. This is bread that's ironically to be baked on the Sabbath by the priest and only consumed by the priest. In that context, David and his men do take the bread, and although we see God's judgment falling on others who desecrate his laws, in this situation, in this context, it's seemingly very appropriate as David and his companions do not fall under judgment but are provided for by God's mercy. Jesus continues on to explain himself through another Old Testament example. Verse 5, Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? The Sabbath was a day of rest, a time in which the whole nation of Israel was to rest and to do no work. And yet for the priests, the holy order, this was the biggest work day in a sense, as they had to make showbread, they had to offer sacrifices. There were many dimensions of their work that increased on the Sabbath. And Jesus questions, well, they were allowed to break the Sabbath due to another law that negated the law of the Sabbath for them in the way that it was prescribed to others. Jesus continues to clarify this in verse 6. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. 
I want to take a moment for us to experience the power and the wake of what he's saying. The temple was the centerpiece of the nation of Israel. The tabernacle, which then became the physical temple, was the very epicenter of the people of Israel. It was a gift of God to them. It was the place that his Shekinah, tangible, visible, physical presence came and lived among them. It was the place for their unity where three times a year they were commanded, at least the men were commanded to assemble. It was what held the nation together, not only holding them to God, but to each other. And Jesus says there's one greater than that here. Jesus is the one who gathers us together. Jesus is the one that is the center of our unity. Jesus is the one in whom the glory, the tangible power and presence of God dwells. Jesus is the one through whom we come to to offer our prayers, our praises, and our sacrifices of thanksgiving and obedience. Everything that the physical temple was, it points to who God in the flesh, Jesus, is. Jesus continues, If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. Jesus here is quoting Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. He did so uh, in the last couple chapters to a group of Pharisees similarly, and he's drawing the Pharisees back to the text that they've memorized, that they've known so well, but they stumbled over the heart of God in the text. They knew the words, but they didn't know what the Spirit of God wanted to communicate through the words. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, is what Hosea said. Jesus, I believe, intentionally and very purposefully only quotes one half of the verse. He says, Hosea said, I desire mercy, or God prophesied through Hosea, rather, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. As Jesus is confronting them, he's saying, go take a look again at the Old Testament reading. Go and look again, for I desire mercy above sacrifice, and specifically, I want to be known. What I love about Jesus is that he never spoke against his father's law, and in fact, he never broke his father's law. The Pharisees at that time, the spiritual leaders, had developed oral tradition that were additives to the Torah, the law that God gave to Moses on the mountain. In their heart to not break any of God's laws, they added additional laws to secure them out of a fear of judgment and probably out of a desire to shepherd people away from the ledge. They built fences next to the ledge in order to try to keep people from falling. One of those fences was that people shouldn't even pick or eat grain. Now, the law said, of course, not to give yourself to harvest, not to work. But the walking through and grabbing a grain on your way was not a breaking of his father's law. And so Jesus is confronting them, not so much on adding additional laws to try to protect people, but he's challenging them on the deeper issue that they do not know the lawgiver's heart. 
If you had known what these words mean, verse 7, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. One of the things that's so typical of humanity, we fall in two ditches. Either we throw out God's law and say, I want to do things my way when I want, and I don't want any standards to be held accountable to. I'm my own person. If we don't fall into that, the enemy hits us with the other ditch, which is where we make God's law God. Now, 99% of the time, God is asking us to do everything in accordance with the specifics of his law. What's interesting, even in the story of Abraham, God, by his spirit, asked Abraham to sacrifice his own son, In the prophets, we see God lambasting the nations for sacrificing their children. And he says, this is not for me, nor did it ever enter my mind. And yet Abram, who was walking with God, who knew him, was even challenged by God to sacrifice his son. We know that God kept him from doing that, and it was a prophetic picture. But Jesus is challenging them not to throw out God's law, but to not allow their additives their additive laws to be their focus, and to not even allow God's law in and of itself to be their focus because God's mercy and his relational grace in his heart goes deeper than the obedience to the sacrifice. God wanted David and his men to be fed even beyond he wanted his law about the showbread to be followed. We don't want to be foolish. We want to follow our Father's standards and His righteousness. But we want to know His heart and His mercy and not miss out and condemn ourselves or others when they are truly innocent in God's mind. Jesus continued, For the Son of Man, this is verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Again, He doesn't throw out the Sabbath for the Jewish people. And again, he's not even really breaking his father's commandment. Though David, who he referenced, did, he himself is not. But he's declaring that the Sabbath, that he is Lord of it. Verse 9, he continues, and he's going to demonstrate this declaration of being the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 9, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, the Pharisees' synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Again, another additive of their law of limiting laws that they gave that limited people from doing good deeds on the Sabbath, maybe to protect them from breaking the Father's true law, but either way they became tripping points that became the Pharisees' emphasis and blocked them from being able to receive what Jesus was doing on behalf of the Father. Verse 11, he said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. As a part of 
Israel's leadership and governmental system, the Pharisees and spiritual leaders were to execute death sentence, death penalties on false prophets. So it's not absurd that they went out and plotted of how they could kill Jesus. Within their paradigm, this is one that's going against God's law. Now, what's interesting, Jesus never went against his father's law, but they had so exalted themselves and their oral tradition, they were unable to distinguish between what was God's actual communicated law and what were the additives that they brought forth that they claimed to be honored as God as well. Jesus so graciously by the Father's leadership fulfills the entirety of his Father's law. He is the fulfillment, the culmination of the law, but yet he cuts through the tradition surrounding it and he points these leaders back, not just to the Father's law, but to the Father's heart and his love that the law flowed out from. And he says, it is lawful to heal on the Sabbath, to do good on the Sabbath. I love our Jesus, that he's the Lord and the master of the Sabbath. I love that he so honored his father's law, that he fulfilled it. I love who he is. And today, I invite you to ask him this question, the prayer prompt, Jesus, what do you most enjoy about being the Lord of the Sabbath? The Sabbath, of course, was the last day of the week, the seventh day in which God rested The Jewish people celebrated that until the time of Jesus and in that transitional point after after he left. But then as the church emerged and became more established, we see throughout the last 2,000 years, the Lord's Day, Sunday, the day that Jesus was resurrected, the first day of creation where God created the heavens and the earth, became that time where God invited people to rally around his presence and to worship him, not at the temple, that Jesus said that had been destroyed, that he was greater than, but the temple of himself, his name and his glory. So ask him to reveal himself as the Lord of all the heavens and the earth, but the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of you, and the God that invites us into rest, yes, but to spend ourselves for the good and the healing of others. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by his spirit who indeed is this Jesus. Thank you.